And we're talking at the moment, aren't we, about the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and how that that unites us, it gives us life, it gives us purpose. We're studying through 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and we're trying to look at what that exactly means. So what is God doing? What What is the Spirit in the, doing in the church? That's what we want to know. But you know, the church is the dwelling place of God. It's the place of his Holy Spirit. We, together, as church, are the body of Christ. We are his living body of flesh here on earth. Think about that. Wow. You know, so if you want to find God, if you want to know where he is, if you want to know what God is doing in the world today, then you need to get to church. You need to come to the church because that's where he is. That's where God is, right in the centre of his people. He's building a building made of people. (laughs) And each one of us are part of that. And not only that, we need to get our friends to church too. You know, we need to get out of our thinking the idea that church is just for Christians. You know, the church is a place where unbelievers can be guaranteed to encounter God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You know, if if people say, I don't know if I believe in God or not, come to the church and see, you can meet him. It's not in a building, just come and meet some of my friends, just come and gather with us as we worship. You will encounter God. And you know, it's already happening. It's already happening to some extent. Do you know, last week, I was told about a visitor who had never been to church before. She was brought along by some other people in the church. She'd never been to church before. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to expect. So she saw everybody putting their hands out when we were praying. So she thought she'd try that. And she put her hands out and she encountered God. She felt something. She felt something of the weight of his presence. Wow. It's already happening. A few months ago, there was a lady who came to the church and uh, she came through the toddler group. She got to, not through the toddler group, sorry, that will come soon, I'm sure. Through the cooking club. And she came along to church just to see what was going on. And she said the whole way through the service, she couldn't stop crying. And it wasn't sad crying, it was kind of happy crying. And she couldn't understand what was going on. So we explained about the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord. She said, oh, I would love to come back every week, but my husband, I need to pray for her. Lord, bring her back with her husband, in Jesus' name. <laughs> We've had several people visit over the last six months and similar experiences. We've had two Muslim people visit the church. Both of them had an encounter with God. They sensed the presence of God in a powerful way. They felt peace. One lady got healed. It's happening. It's beginning. God's moving. Praise God. His presence is here. That's what the prophetic word has been about this morning. I'm here. I'm with you, Cooey. <laughs> here I am, right in the midst of the church, just like I said I would be. Praise God. Wow. I want us to be people that love the presence of God and honour the presence of God and expect encounters with the presence of God as we gather together as church. That's what it's all about. You know, without the presence of God, there would be no church. 
That's what we said last week. Without the presence of God, there wouldn't be a church. With the presence of God, there's in, there are incredible opportunities for people everywhere to encounter God. He's with us. So people are going to encounter him. I want to encourage you. Be in faith for unbelievers coming amongst us and encountering God. Be in faith for people even that have gone away from God a bit, coming and refining their faith again. Be in faith for these things, because God is here, he's with us. And the Holy Spirit is in the church. He's amongst us, and he's very busy. <laughs> Last week I was telling you about three of six things that the Holy Spirit is doing in the church. And I went through the first three, and I'm going to go through the second three this week. Just to remind you, last week we were talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is amongst us, and he's always revealing truth. He's always revealing about what he's done, about what he's going to do, he's doing. He's always revealing the change of identity that his work on the cross has won for us. We're new people because of what Jesus has done. And the Spirit is working in us to reveal that, to remind us, to help us to know what Jesus has done. Secondly, he's searching everything. He's searching the deepest parts of us, our motives, our thinking, our past, and through this, not to condemn us, he releases us into our future. He sets us free from all that holds us and releases us into the future. And he searches everything. He searches even the deep things of God, and he brings out the treasure trove of God's thoughts and plans for us. Do you know God has got beautiful thoughts for you? He's smiling at us. Did you hear that in the prophetic a bit earlier on? God, Jesus is just smiling at us. Now, how many people thought that God was mad with me today? You don't have to put your hand up. But sometimes we just feel like, he doesn't like me very much today. I really messed up. No, he's smiling at you. Just turn to the person next to you and smile at them. You see, we're the body of Christ. <laughs> and Jesus is in us. So we're smiling like Jesus is smiling. Praise God. Some of you were just looking a bit grumpy, so I thought maybe you need a good smile. Thirdly, we said last week that he gives us understanding. This work is evidential, it's tangible, it's touchable, it's discoverable. The fruit of the Spirit should be hanging everywhere around our lives and around the outside of the church and in the church. Fruit hanging on boughs of blessing. That's what we expect to see as he gives us understanding. Well, this week, I want to give you the three other things. Hopefully, I whetted your appetite enough for the next three, okay? So we're going to go for it. The next three things that Paul says the Holy Spirit is doing in the church, and it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. And I'm going to do the verses as we go along, okay? So I'm just going to give you the headings. Firstly, the Holy Spirit teaches us He's teaching us everything about Jesus. Secondly, he reveals the will of God to us. And thirdly, he changes our minds about things. How many people would like people to change their minds about things? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's changing our mind about things. So what's the Spirit doing in the church? Three things. Let's look at the first one. He teaches us about Jesus. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, This is what we speak, 
not in words taught by us, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So Paul is saying this, he says, the teaching that we have given you doesn't come from men. We've not made these things up. We've not learned them from years of study. We haven't been to the greatest universities and gathered all the wisdom of men and brought it and presented it to you. These mysteries of God come straight from God by revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's incredibly encouraging. These things come right from the heart of God. The good news of the gospel comes right from his heart. This is how it came to us, he said, by the Holy Spirit, and this is how it's going to come to you. Because these are spirit-taught words. And so when we come to you and we communicate them, we communicate them in a different way because we're not using worldly techniques of argument, debate, and manipulation. As we were saying a few weeks ago, all, all we do, Paul says, is we talk about Jesus Christ and him crucified, and then the Spirit does the rest. We just talk about Jesus and him crucified. It's a very simple message, and the Spirit does amazing things as we step out and do that. It's Spirit-to-Spirit communication. The Spirit explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. And this is exactly how Jesus said it would be, isn't it? He said in John chapter 14, he says, I'm going away. I'm leaving you now, he says, but I'm sending another, a comforter, the Holy Spirit. The Father's going to send him in my name, and what he's going to do is to teach you all things concerning me. And he's going to remind you of everything that I've said. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal Jesus Christ to you in a fuller revelation. See, the thing is that without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is a completely closed book. Did you know that? Without the Holy Spirit, we just cannot understand what it says. We can't understand the truth about Jesus without a work of the Holy Spirit because the Bible was written in such a way that only those that have a relationship with God can have understanding. And you see, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see truth. He opens our eyes to see truth. We have revelation through the Holy Spirit, just like Paul says, that's how we got our revelation, by the Holy Spirit. It's the same for us. And Jesus is the truth that we need to see, and him crucified. And Bill Johnson said this really cool thing. He says that the study of the Bible is meant to launch us into an encounter with Jesus Christ. The the study of the Bible is meant to launch us into an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's in that moment of connection, he says, that we obtain life. Wow! Does that put a new spin on reading the Bible? It's meant to be an encounter with Jesus Christ. On every page you can find Jesus. The Holy Spirit will show you. He will teach you. Praise God. You know, without encountering Jesus, without encountering Jesus, we are no better than the Pharisees. 
As Jesus said in John chapter 5, he says, you search the scriptures, he said to the Pharisees, and they read the Bible. I mean, they read the Bible, okay? They'd put us to shame. They really read the Bible. He says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you can't see who I am. You can't even recognize me. They testify about me. They talk about me. But because you don't have the Spirit, you can't see them. And yet you read the Bible. You know, we can be the most diligent readers of the Bible. We can be the greatest academics, but without the Spirit who inspired it and breathed its very words onto the page, we completely miss the full revelation of Jesus that's found on every page. We miss it completely. I want to encourage you, if you struggle to read the Bible, ask the teacher to teach you. Ask him to come into your Bible reading. Ask him to bring it to life for you. That's what he's there for. He's come to teach the church, to teach each of us the revelation of Jesus. So are you spirit-taught? Are you being spirit-taught? And one of the ways that you'll know this is if the Bible comes to life for you when you read it. That's how you know that you're being spirit-taught. Because he's the only one that can do that. So does it? Does it come to life for you? And not only that, does it come into your life? Does it come to life and does it come into your life? Does it go out through your life? There's incredible fruitfulness from the revelation of Jesus by the Holy Spirit in the Bible. See, the wonderful thing is, I don't know if you know this. Yeah, of course you know this, but do you know it? That God is a speaking God. He doesn't stop talking. He is a speaking God. He wants to communicate. He wants to tell you the good news. He wants to tell you what he's done. He wants to boast about his son. He wants to talk about you. He wants to tell you how much he loves you. I mean, did you see that this morning, this afternoon? He's a speaking God. There were so many different words coming up, different things that God was saying. He's a speaking God. That's what it's like. His words are not just lifeless on a page. They burst into life in our hearts and enable us to speak words that when mixed with faith are powerful spiritual weapons. Did you see that Paul says? Paul says, this is what we speak. It's not just we've learned and so we take it and we keep it to ourselves. He says we speak them. This is what we speak. The revelation that we got from God through the Holy Spirit is what we now speak. Powerful words. Speak. Have you any idea how powerful words can be? Have you any idea how powerful the Word of God can be? We know about words, don't we? People have said things to us, and they're powerful. They can bind us for many, many years. Now, my teacher said I'd never amount to much. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. (laughs) It took years for me to overcome that and decide not to believe that anymore. Look how wonderful I am now. (laughs) (laughs) Words can bind us and they can free us. 
But the Word of God is powerful, especially when it's been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. The words of God are immensely powerful. It says here, doesn't it, in Hebrews, it says, for the Word of God is active and alive. Is the Word of God active and alive to you? He says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's powerful, the Word of God. Is it any wonder that the devil doesn't want you to read your Bible? Is it any wonder that he wants to keep it as dry and dusty on the shelf? It's powerful. It cuts both ways. (laughs) Double-edged, sharp. Or, in another place, it says that the weapons that we fight fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You know, all that the enemy comes against you, all of the things that you encounter in your life, we have divine power and authority through the Word of God. Now, some of you need to hear this. Jesus never told you that you had to climb mountains. He told you to speak to them. You've been trying to climb mountains, find your way around them, big things in your life. Jesus says, speak to them. I give you authority to speak to them and tell them to move. (laughs) It's the word of God in our mouths. Revealed by the Holy Spirit, faith comes, we speak, and there's incredible power unlocked. So what's the Holy Spirit been teaching you recently? And have you positioned yourself for learning? Are you positioned for learning? A wonderful word that Pauline brought earlier about this, this waterfall, just sort of, and we need to position ourselves. I believe that's a picture of the outpouring of God's heart. Are you positioned under that waterfall of learning, of the Holy Spirit just pouring over us and giving us revelation? Have you positioned yourself? Have you sat at Jesus' feet? And just said, Lord, teach me by the Holy Spirit. I need to learn so much. And with what you've learned, don't just keep it in. Speak it out. Speak it out. Release those powerful words. Testify. Speak to others in the church. Speak out what you've been learning. You, you have no idea what it might do for somebody else. I just learned this week, and I was thinking of a silly thing, but I just learned this week that it's not a silly thing. I just learned this week God loves me. You know, I've just learned that all over again. Somebody was sharing that in our life group this week. Just learned it all over again. And when she spoke it out, it was so powerful. And we all know that God loves us, but to hear it spoken out like that with faith is powerful. Speak it out, testify, prophesy, exhort one another, apply these words to to your own life. You know, so often we can speak lies to ourselves. We can bind ourselves up with worthless things. Speak out truth and set yourself and others free. There's your homework for this week. Speak out what God has been teaching you and set yourself and others free. Because the Word of God brings freedom. There's another word that was brought this afternoon was about freedom in this place. There's incredible freedom in the presence of the Holy Spirit. (sighs) 
Do you know, we need to be spirit taught. We need to be close to the Holy Spirit. We need to pick up our Bibles and say, Holy Spirit, will you breathe on this today and bring it to life for me? I can't read this. I can't make head nor tail of it. I need you, Holy Spirit. Just bring it to life for me. Let's be spirit taught and then speak powerful words, stronghold busting words from that place of revelation. Let's speak to things and say, you say this, but the word of God says this. And speak into your life and into the world around you. That's the first thing. The Holy Spirit is teaching us. Are you ready for number two? He reveals, the Holy Spirit reveals God's will to us. Anybody ever found it difficult to know God's will? Have you ever struggled at any time at all in your life with knowing, what is God saying to me at the moment? Anybody ever struggle with that? There's so many holy people here. There's hardly anybody. Just put your hand up. Let's just be honest with one another. Let's look round. Yeah, that's right. Just stare. Yeah, you see? Everybody. <laughs> I just thought I'd get you to do that. I haven't got any answers for you. Um, <laughs> But we need to know God's will for our lives. We need to know God's will for the church. Verse 14 says this. This person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. He can't receive them. He considers them to be foolishness. He can't understand them. Because they're only discernible through the Holy Spirit. I paraphrase. We can't accept them. We can't consider them we can't understand them we can't understand so any problem with direction any problem with knowing god's will for your life well this person without the spirit seems to be saying that our inability to accept god's will is because we're without the spirit we're we're not spiritual people because you see we are all potentially without the spirit we're all potentially unspiritual. We can revert to that place. Anybody? Potentially, we can get a bit fleshy, yeah? A bit carnal. Unspiritual. That's the literal word there in verse 14. And this word, according to David Pryor, refers to everything that belongs to our heritage from the first Adam. Unspiritual. Everything that belongs to our heritage from the first Adam, carnal. Paul says that we can all revert to behaving like unbelievers. We all can. You can be as Christian as you like, but you all have that potential. (laughs) You see, when a person is born again by the Spirit of God, he becomes potentially a spiritual man or a woman. But we are not automatically going to walk in the Spirit. Has anybody found that it's easy to walk in the Spirit? (laughs) You see, we, we can all backslide. We can all have that tendency to fall into sin. We can all just get plain lazy. It's not just the sort of obvious backsliding either. You know, some people, they backslide in style. (laughs) You know, they go back to their old lives. They really get stuck in. I mean, you've got to admire some of those people for just being honest. But it's the more subtle Christian ways that concern me. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
just a bit subtle, a bit kind of slipping away, a bit of worldly thinking that sort of grows up unchecked, or some quiet sins. Everything on the outside looks so good, but inside I'm dying. I was talking to somebody recently, I was talking about a guy in his church who had been leading a life group, leading worship, leading this, that, and everything else. It turns out there was some big sin in his life, and he's been covering up for years. He'd never have known. One of the leaders. We've all got the potential to backslide and be unspiritual. But sometimes we just slip a bit. And listen, I want to warn you, this is really serious stuff. In those places we're in danger as we start to slip. In those places we start to become an unspiritual person who can't accept the things of God, they start to become foolish to us, and we can't see it anymore. Three steps on this journey of decline that this passage gives us. There's three steps to backsliding that Paul warns about. First of all, we do not accept. We do not accept any longer the promptings of the Spirit when before we were so sensitive and so responsive to the things of God. Suddenly now we do not accept. We do not receive. We do not respond. We don't respond first time, maybe third time, grudgingly. The promptings keep coming. He doesn't give up on us. That's the first stage. Secondly, we start to consider these promptings and and what it means to be a Christian, to live in the Spirit, as foolishness. We start to consider the things of God as foolish. Why do I have to live that way? Why should I miss out on all that? Foolishness. And then it gets to the point where we can't understand. We can't understand the things of God. We get so hardened, we can't receive them anymore. And that's when we're in a huge danger. Three steps. Doesn't accept, considers them foolish, and then can't understand. How are you doing with this? How are you doing on your steps? Are you on any of those steps at the moment? Do you know, I used to be so responsive to the Spirit, but you know, I know, I've got lazy. Or I've got into some sin habits and, I, and I just, I'm not breaking out of them anymore. I'm not confessing them anymore. I don't repent like I used to. I've got tired of doing that. It seems a silly idea anyway. Can you see how the line of thought goes? There's always a process or a series of choices for somebody who falls. Always. That's encouraging and it's discouraging, especially if you're on the bottom step at the moment. So what is the antidote? What's the antidote to backsliding? How do we keep away from those steps? We want to keep away from those steps, okay? And the antidote is to firstly walk in the Spirit daily. Walk in the Spirit. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept these things. The person with the Spirit, you could turn this verse around, does accept doesn't consider them foolish, and does understand the person with the Spirit. We need to be continually filled with the Spirit. We need to be daily filled, at least. We need to be continually filled with the Spirit. If you do this, Paul says, you will not go down this route. He says, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. 
as it says in the New King James Version. You keep listening to him, keep responding when he prompts you, do what he says, and you will know his will for your life. You will discern it. The Holy Spirit living in us. Secondly, we need to walk in the Spirit with others. With others together. I don't know if you have realized this, but we need each other. Just look around the room and say, I need you. We need each other. We need other Christians. Yeah, it's cheesy, but it works. We need each other. That's why we mustn't give up meeting together. It's not kind of you've got to come to church, you know, because that's what you do now you're a Christian. We mustn't give up meeting together because we need to encourage one another daily. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. Mustn't give up. We can't afford to give up and start getting solitary. See, I've come to see that walking in the Spirit is not just about my personal walk. It's not a solitary thing. You know, it's as we come together, I said the church is the dwelling place of God. That's where the Holy Spirit is. And it's as we worship together, as we worship, as we step out, as we pray, as we prophesy, as we do these things together, we get filled with the Spirit. And we're kept. Amen? I mean, have you noticed how much easier it is to pray when there are other people with you? And that's why. Increasingly, I've realized the safety, the provocation, and the inspiration of other people in my life and in the church. Thirdly, walk in the Spirit as a church. We need to walk in the Spirit as a church. You know, churches can backslide too. Did you realize that? We've been talking about individuals' personal life. We understand that. But churches can backslide too. You know, we can start reverting to worldly thinking or techniques. We can start to run such good meetings or organize so many good works that we hardly need the Holy Spirit at all. Church is great. Nice music. Nice little homily of a talk. Nothing too provocative. You see, the Spirit is needed. We, we need the Spirit to help us to stay on course. We need, to, we need the Spirit to discern God's will, our purpose, our direction. We need wisdom from the Spirit for decisions that are being made, for problems or for circumstances that arise. And, you know, together we can learn to discern the will of God. Together, as we're together. So, for example, our last life groups together, we shared some things with the church that we were looking for God's will on. So, look, guys, we're thinking about this. We've got these meetings coming up. Please pray for us that God will give us wisdom. And it was so encouraging. We had, we had a queue of people at the end of the meeting with prophetic words that God had spoken to them for us. Thank you so much. That's what it should be. Together. Walk in the Spirit together. Do you know, if the Spirit is really in our hearts, the thing that you find is that many people have the same witness about something. I love that. I love that when it happens in the church. People come and say, do you know, I've been feeling this. I say, so have I. And somebody else can say, I've been feeling this. Oh, so have I, but you more so. (laughs) 
That's how it works. Wonderful church. Anyway, I'm getting carried away. The Spirit is making things known to Spirit-filled people. He's communicating God's will to the church. That's what he's doing. And through that brings an incredible unity of agreement as we look to discern God's will. Thirdly, and I'm going to deal with this one fairly briefly, but thirdly, verses 15 and 16 go like this. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Excuse me. I'm just going to retell this passage because it's one that there's been quite a lot of confusion over in the years. Over the years. So just listen to this. This is Rob's version. The spiritual, the spirit-filled Christian is able to look into all the things of God. And with the Spirit's help, he's able to understand them and align their lives with those things. So, for example, forgiveness. I may look into the depths of God and find forgiveness, but also... I find that I must forgive others to receive the full benefit of that forgiveness. The Spirit makes this clear to me, and I choose to forgive. But this doesn't necessarily make sense to others that have a more human perspective on the situation. Because, you know, forgiveness makes very little sense to the human mind when ideally we want revenge. Or justice. And often the things that come from the mind of God don't make sense to us. So it made very little sense to C.T. Studd's family when led by the Spirit, he gave up a promising career to be a missionary in Africa. But, Paul says, he is not legitimately judged by them because he stands before God. It made very little sense to Jackie Pollinger's family when she left her nice middle-class existence to go as a single woman to the walled city of Kowloon in Hong Kong to work amongst the prostitutes, gangs, and drug addicts. I've got a daughter, and I can imagine what the family would have gone through. Their judgment, though, was irrelevant to her. They didn't understand the sense of call of God on her life. It makes very little sense for our work colleagues, unbelieving friends and relatives when we invest at least 10% of our income in an invisible kingdom, don't have sex outside of marriage, don't do drugs or get drunk every Saturday night. We go to church every Sunday and we pray for them to be saved. makes no sense at all to them. But we judge all things, but we are not judged by others. And we understand their judgment, don't we? We understand why they think those things. Because we didn't always think this way either. In fact, we are still learning to think this way, but now our minds have changed and our being changed. Because by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
we've begun to think differently about the world in which we live. Because of Jesus, we think differently about what is fair and right. We think differently about money. We think differently about possessions and people. We've got a different insight into this question of community and mercy. You know, we actually love people and we want to see them restored. We're learning what pleases God and so see and think differently. How many Christians, how many people have you spoken to over the years who will tell you this? Before I was a Christian, I used to think it was okay to lie. I used to think it was okay to fiddle my expenses and to steal, but I don't think that way anymore. (laughs) I've changed my mind. It's called repentance. And my new mind is called the mind of Christ. Because, you see, I'm starting to think like him now. Actually, I'm part of a whole community of people who are learning to think in this new way. It's called the church. (laughs) So why don't you come and perhaps you'll get to meet him too. So that's 15 and 16 in a nutshell. (laughs) Let me conclude. The Holy Spirit is continually at work in the church. Isn't it wonderful? He's building us together into this building made of people who are filled with his power and being transformed as he continually reveals truth to us. He searches everything, even the deep things of God. He gives us understanding. He teaches us. He reveals his will to us and changes our minds. The Holy Spirit is very busy in the church. You know, he never stops. He's always moving amongst us. And that's why I've got confidence in the church, not because of the leaders or any of the people that are in the church. My confidence is because of the Holy Spirit at work amongst us. We expect to encounter him in the church and we expect him to reveal Jesus to us and through us. See, Jesus is coming back again one day. And he's coming back for a glorious bride. He's coming back for a victorious church. Don't know if he knew that. He's not coming back for a bedraggled, dirty, struggling to the altar bride who's just about made it. The Holy Spirit has got a job to do in preparing the church for that day. That's why I'm confident in the church. That's why I'm confident in him. Because he's building something under Jesus' instructions, if you like. Together they're building a church that the gates of hell won't be able to stand up against. He's working in the depths of the church to bring us all up into glory for the honour and the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's stand and just thank God together. Why don't we just pray out together? I don't know, maybe it's just me, I'm feeling a bit excited today, but do you reckon you can do that? Just start to stir yourself, just start to thank God for the church, thank God for the Holy Spirit, thank him for what he's doing. Just start to stir your hearts, just get a fresh vision of what God is doing. Thank the Holy Spirit for his work in your life. Thank him, Lord we worship you, thank you so much. Holy Spirit, we invite you, teacher. Come and teach us. Come and teach us all the wonderful things of God. Come and unlock treasures in our hearts. Come, Lord, give us revelation of who you are and what you're doing. Lord, teacher, come and be amongst us powerfully in these days. Come, Lord, the discerner. 
come show us your will. We want to know your will and your purposes. We want to work in partnership with you. We want to partner with the Holy Spirit. Teach us how to do that in our own lives. But Lord, teach us how to do it together as a church as well. Oh Lord, and come and change our minds. Lord, we need to change our minds about some things. We haven't quite got it all yet. And Lord, keep us from backsliding. Keep us, Lord, from losing our way. Keep us, Lord, from taking those steps. I pray, Lord, you make those steps red hot so that when we put our toe on them, we'll leap back into your arms. Keep us in your ways, Lord. You are able to keep us in Jesus. We're kept by your faith, not by ours. And Lord, just come and work amongst us. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way in the church. Have your way in our lives. Be glorified and build this church to be beautiful for you. Thank you for smiling at us this afternoon, Lord. Keep smiling, Lord. Keep being delighted over us. Keep sharing your heart with us, Jesus, for your name.